If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Minches, and I can't wait to dive into today's show. We have the amazing Michelle French here with us today. She is a part of our community for a long time. I love her. She's a mom. She's married, and she has just been on this incredible journey. Anyway, Michelle, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here with you as well. It's going to be a fun conversation. I know it. And for those of you who are listening, we love you. Thank you for all of your emails. We have listeners in over 50 countries now, and I love hearing from you. So feel free to email me at Ursula at salescoachnow.com anytime. If you love the show, go to iTunes, leave us a review there. Let us know what your thoughts are. We'd love to hear from you and we appreciate you. So thank you for being part of our family. We have a wonderful sponsor again today. Pamela Egan Floral Design has sponsored quite a few of our shows. So thank you, Pamela. She is an artist with a passion for floral design. Her background in design, coupled with her instinctual creative abilities, shine through in her unique florals, creating an unmatched floral experience. Corporate clients appreciate how easy she is to work with and enjoy her talents to convey a fresh, creative floral display for their lobbies, dining, and event spaces, creating an upscale, welcoming, and caring ambiance for their clients. You can reach Pam at Pamela Egan Floral, and that's E-G-A-N floral.com or Pamela Egan floral.com to go to her website. She's offering 25% off your first individual or monthly corporate order. And I'm sorry, I know my Californians and people who live all over the world, she's only offering her services right now locally in the Twin Cities area. Of course, that could change over time. So stay tuned, but definitely reach out to Pamela if you're in the area or send her a referral. And we're grateful to her. And now I want to tell you about Michelle. Michelle French is a storyteller at heart. Every event she produces tells a tale, delivers a message, and has an effect that continues long after the tables are cleared and the last attendee exits the venue. Michelle's career started at American Airlines as part of the sales team, where one crucial day, 9-11, changed her trajectory. Michelle considered how she might use her talents to make a difference. That journey eventually led her to start Sunday Soul Events, where she and her team apply the principle that her work 
isn't complete with just one event, but must fit into a client's long range plans. Michelle is an instructor for the Event Leadership Institute and serves on the board of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, Orange County. Yes, she's in SoCal. She's part of our Southern California family. And so Michelle, I want to dive in. I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Like tell us, you know, I just shared a little bit about it, but you know, what got you into the events planning arena? And also when you first launched your business, did you have any limiting beliefs about sales, selling or business in general? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for that great introduction. And yes, briefly, my background and story, I always say everyone you know, has a path and a journey, of course, but I had a little bit of a meandering path to get to my business. And as you referenced early in my career, I was in a corporate sales job where you know, it really was work hard and kind of that pyramid of a lot of people on the bottom and what could you do to kind of strategically get to the top. And so I took promotions and made moves and did different things and really enjoyed my work and selling. But I always was interested in the philanthropic side. So even with American Airlines, with a vision of getting into the charitable side of things, I had grown up in a family that was didn't have a lot of wealth. We weren't able to give a lot of money, but my mom was being very philanthropic and gave a lot of her time and volunteered. And so I had kind of grown up without my set in college, participated in something called Dance Marathon that raised money for a local hospital. And I loved that. So as I was on my corporate journey, really wanted to get into some kind of charitable side, but also was figuring out what my career path was going to be and how I was going to run American Airlines someday. But along that, as you referenced, I was with them during 9-11. And when that happened, we kind of went on shutdown as a company. We couldn't communicate with our clients and it was lonely and it was sad and it was scary. And I wasn't really at a place with friends or family. I was only at a place for my career. And I have what I now call my quarter life crisis and really had to think about what I was doing and what my work meant to me. So I had an opportunity to move out West, move to California, found a fantastic job at the California Science Center where I learned a lot about It was a museum free to the public every day, but I sold the event space for events. So I saw big budget events and also raised money to keep the museum free for kids every day. So this idea of social responsibility, corporate philanthropy, sustainability for a nonprofit was intriguing to me and became a student of nonprofits and how they work, but also we're doing these big scale events. That led me to a company that was starting in Orange County that focused on auctions specifically. So for me, that combined some travel expertise because we would combine packages. It had nonprofit element and it had an event element. So that was perfect for me. And once I started that, I saw where nonprofits were unable to really focus. Executive directors were running around um, making sure catering was happening and they were they just didn't get to enjoy the event and share their message and talk with their guests. And I knew from my past experience, it didn't have to be like that. So the idea was brewing for a long time, but related to your other question, what I limiting beliefs I had about sales and selling, I didn't know what that would look like starting my own business and getting clients. And what would that really look like? So, but that's how I started Sunday Soul Events. When I saw, I think there's an opportunity. I think we can help these organizations based on my event experience and I was right. There was an opportunity, but limiting beliefs on sales. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think I knew how I didn't know what it would look like to get a client. I consulted a little bit at first from with some clients that I knew 
And Ursula, as you well know from our work together, I am a really good (laughs) self-sabotager. So I didn't know what it meant to sell. I didn't think I had time. And I certainly thought if I brought on new clients, how would I service them? Because it was just me in the beginning. So it was that forever kind of, as we refer to, you know, hamster wheel of like, well, you bring in a client and then you do a great job for them. And then all of a sudden you're done and you don't have any new business. So I was on that whole cycle of like, how do you get new business and how do you serve the client? And so I just self-sabotaged for a really long time. Well, thank you for sharing your journey. And I know we've all been there and then, and then some great things start to happen. So share with us, like looking back, was there a time, a month when you doubled your sales in one month or you landed a major client or somewhere along the trajectory of your business when you felt like, not only did you make it, like I've made it, the company is moving in the right direction, but you felt really good about what was going on. And when that happened, Michelle, what did you believe about sales and selling then? So I think there's been different moments of that kind of undescribable feeling of like, okay, that was a leg up. That was the next step. And so I feel like it's been a series of those things. Like that felt good. That was the right next step. And it really had a lot to do with building my team. And it had a lot to do with letting go of things that I almost just never even understood how you could let go of. And we've talked about that before when you're sort of an expert in your craft, the running the business and the selling side is different and a little bit harder for you. And so the more I let go, the more I could feel those things start to happen. I don't know if I could specifically say a time when I'm like, oh, we've made it, but those legs up, a couple of examples of those would be, um, we do a lot of work with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And we did an excellent job with them on their Orange County walk. And once that happened, they shared that. And we then started working on Inland Empire. And then we started working on LA and Woodland Hills and Santa Clarita. And so it was when we got this trust from an organization that was doing really great work, but also had opportunities in other places. And the other part that started happening is when we started getting busier and having these opportunities to really trust other people and bring in team. And we work in a kind of a unique environment of how we formulate our team. But the more people we did allow into that and making sure we were very clear about what our corporate culture was and what our purpose was and the meaning of having this organization and these opportunities and sharing that, it got really exciting. It got really exciting to share why we do this work with other people who believed in the same thing. And got on board with us. So then we have this magic of these really cool clients who trust us. And then this team of people who believe in the same thing. And that's when it started to feel like we've got some traction. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I like that the leg up, like we look back and there was a leg up and there was a leg up and it just kept evolving and adding team for sure. And for so many of us, like that's such a big leap of faith because, oh my gosh, we have to pay somebody besides ourselves. What's that going to look like? Are they going to perform? What if they don't? What if I have to let them go? I mean, all of those pieces come up and it's, and then the flip side is we hire someone. They're awesome. Cause I know you have an awesome team. They help you grow the company and you start to see, you know, where am I going to be from two years from now, and it, the picture looks totally different, and you see how you can continue to grow. So, Michelle, what, like looking back outside of sales and, you know, limiting beliefs there, was there a different limiting belief you had in your past about business or yourself that really kept you stuck at times and something that you changed that's led to your success today? Yes. I mean, oh gosh, there have been many limiting beliefs. I think there were financial set points. I think there were a limiting belief of what success could look like, a limiting belief about how you could have 
financial success within a business and also personal fulfillment. You know, there were lots, <laughs> lots and lots and lots. But probably the number one, it was if I wasn't constantly working and if I wasn't working hard every moment of every day, then I wasn't going to be successful. That success and hard work were 100% tied together. Got it. Yeah. So a lot of us have that. I certainly had that belief that I had to work hard to make a lot of money. What did you do, Michelle, to overcome that belief? Or how have you shifted it? What do you know today about that's not true? And what's the new belief you've taken on? Maybe that's a good way to ask it. The new belief I've taken on is that, yes, it is definitely still work. But the new belief I've taken on is that I can share that with a team. And I, that my, I guess the belief I've taken on is that I am growing leaders and that I'm strengthening a team in order to strengthen my business, in order to strengthen our community. So I think my new belief is that it doesn't mean I have to know and be on top of every detail, that my work and my mindset is on more strategic work while supporting a team who has taken on some of the work that I used to only be able to focus on. So that now I can focus on how do I continue to have opportunities for them and for us and for our company? And how do I continue to offer this service that if I was working that hard and only myself, we weren't going to sustain. And so I think my new belief is that, that if I can spread that out and share that and know that I'm growing amazing leaders and amazing people who can help me continue this business, that my work is more on strategic focus, not every nitty gritty detail. But that is a constant conversation in my head too. <laughs> There's a constant reminder of like, okay, no, it is okay. I don't have to know every single thing. I need to know a lot. I need to support my people. And that's the biggest for me because if I can support them, they can still facilitate so much more than I have capacity to do anymore. Yeah, I love what you said. I am growing amazing leaders so you can grow the business and ultimately support the community. So it goes back to, and I know this is so important to you, is the impact, the impact that you're making through the nonprofits that you're supporting and the work that they're doing. So that's a perfect segue talking about growth. When you look back at the business and you think about all the strategies you've used to grow yourselves, I know you're a powerful networker. I know you've been on boards. I know you've made warm calls. You've made cold calls. You're on social media. You've tried all kinds of marketing. But when you look back, Michelle, what are the top two sales strategies that you've used that you think have been the most effective for you? Okay. So yes, you're right. We have run it. We've done everything. And like we have, like everybody has, I don't want to say you're the only one for sure. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's interesting because you do try to track, well, where did that start to happen and which of those things helped? And I mean, good, but bad. It's honestly all of those. It's every single one of those things. But the top two strategies, if I were to try to narrow it down to that, the one, I mean, when we all know this, it's fostering relationships. The clients that are coming to us now are seeds that were planted so long ago. Our business is like that. It's a very long sales cycle. It's a relationship development business. And so staying in tune with what was happening with my contacts and just building and fostering relationships. And that comes from, you know, of course, networking, but reaching out and just saying hello and phone calls and just staying in touch, which is part of the sales process, but you know, isn't salesy at the time. It's just being available and being helpful and being resourceful. So relationship building, of course, and that happens in all the ways that we've listed. And then, you know, the second is probably, it's a twofold thing, I guess. I guess maybe I'm going to give you three because <laughs> the second is 
being able to be an expert in our industry. So we focus mostly on the nonprofit. Now we have corporate as well, because a lot of corporate clients are understanding their social responsibility and their want to give back. And so now we work with some corporations that do the events, but being an expert. So my work with the Association of Fundraising Professionals to be in tune with what my ideal client was going through so that I could empathize and I could strategize and I could really be extremely helpful. So building relationships and being an expert they were going through, which is not actually my business per se, but affects my business. So the relationship building and staying an expert in my in their field, which is therefore my field. And then the third thing I would say, because those two kind of are tied together, is cash flow projections, budgeting, like looking at the numbers because then you can get excited about what that looks like and that only, you know, how many opportunities equate to sales, which gets you to your goal and then setting that goal again and stretching that goal and like getting really nerdy about the numbers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's just like makes my heart sing, Michelle. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you know, it's hard. Believe me. I don't know what it is about looking at our own numbers or figure out. I love looking at my clients' numbers. It's fun. Like when you send me yours, it's like, yeah, let's look at your numbers. When I look at my own, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I got to take the time to do this. And there are parts of it that I enjoy, but it is different and it tends to bring up all of our stuff. So thank you. But it's also the guide. And here's what I'm curious about. What's been the biggest breakthrough for you in terms of like doing the projections or getting really nerdy with the numbers? How has that helped you in your business? Because I want to encourage other people to get nerdy with their numbers too. We got to tweet that. Right. You're going to, I mean, you're going to laugh because in this, of course, is very authentic with everything else I've already said. Like you said, it was the guide. It's what allowed me to see that I could bring on team and I'd be able to sustain them and I would be able to do good things for them and I would be able to continue the work. And it's this big cycle that if I look at the numbers and I think, oh, if we could find a few more opportunities, if we could work with a few more clients, then I can sort of earn a certain amount of revenue to bring in team that can help support that so we can continue to grow. So getting nerdy about the numbers and the projections was actually about how many more people we could serve and what did that look like? And what's the tipping point for us? Like at the current structure, how many could we serve? So it got into like capacity and how many people could we serve given this team? Well, if we add someone, what does that look like? And the projections were more than just the numbers on a page. They were about what the company looks like and what growth looks like. And we were very slow to grow and very strategic and we still are, but looking at the numbers allows me to dream a little bit and like to look at it and to see what is possible. Yes. And what a great reminder. And again, it goes back to that impact. What's that tipping point? When do we need to add more people? But again, for you and for all the entrepreneurs who are listening, and I know it's about impact and the numbers getting dirty does give us that opportunity to grow and to expand and to support in a different way. I love it. Get nerdy with your numbers. That should be on a t-shirt, Michelle. You might have to sell that. All right. So I want to make sure we give you time to teach us. Like you're an expert in strategic event production. And I know you've specialized in the nonprofit world, but I know you can work with socially conscious companies. I know you can help all of our listeners. So what I'm curious about are just, you know, your top two to three strategies that you think about when you do an event or how, like what you help your clients with. And by the way, I'm going to take notes because I do a lot of events and they don't always go perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, you know, strategies that we work with for our clients is, you know, there's several different things, but one of the biggest things that we talk about with our clients is what their role actually is within an event. So for us, that is about sharing a message and about conversion and about raising money. And so we sit down with our clients in the very beginning to understand what is their goal. Of course, there's a financial goal. There's a fundraising goal. In addition to that, though, 
freeing up their team and putting them in the right spotlight of how they're supposed to be able to show up at an event. So allowing us to take away all the nitty gritty details once they've shared their vision with us so that we can make their vision a reality for them, but they then can work on community details, connecting with their guests, connecting with their biggest supporters and working on their mission, helping them let go by being really strategic about looking at what their overall goal is and then working backwards. So we work with them a lot on what their actual role at the event is. And we kind of joke and say, it's not what you think. So meaning that we want them to be able to go in and really have a strategy of who they're going to talk to, who they're going to connect, who they're going to make introductions of, and being able to really immerse themselves in the experience and in this opportunity. Events are an opportunity to connect, to share your message, to find advocates. And it's a beautiful tool. And sometimes either so many nitty gritty, it's like they just want to get through it. They just want to like get this event because they know they have to do it. And we're trying to help them change their mindset about what kind of an opportunity this is. And with us, they can do that. So that's kind of number one, as we sit down and really talk about strategy and what that should actually look like with them, freeing them up, letting them work the room. The other strategy that we really work with our client on is the messaging. And so making sure that there is a call to action. What is the purpose of an event? Why are we doing this? And so how many ways are we going to be very clear about sharing the message? And we do that very experientially sometimes as well. So depending on what the cause is, how can we kind of get this guest to walk a mile in the client's shoes? What is the experience of this person that we are benefiting? And so from our leukemia and lymphoma walks, having a remembrance pavilion, having education about the research that's being done, that they are the only ones funding some of this critical research. Well, how do we tell that story? What's the testimonial? So number one, strategizing, being clear about the goals, how we can get there and making sure they get to live the event in the right way. And number two, crafting that message. So there's a call to action so that everyone that's there hears the right message and walks away ready to do something about it. Thank you. That's phenomenal. And even if we don't have a nonprofit or aren't part of one, we can certainly learn from this because we do need support at events. You're so right. I mean, when we put events on in our own company, it is that opportunity to connect. And if I can't connect or have those conversations, like really, what's the point? And the messaging, ugh, what is our call to action? What do we want to leave with? And what's important? Why have the event? Because it's so true. I mean, I don't know how many people I've heard say, oh, I just want to get through this event. I'm sure you hear that over and over and over again. And what a waste of an opportunity, especially in the nonprofit world, because that's their key fundraising opportunity. That's what's going to fund them for the next year or years to come. And it's a great reminder that we just don't have to get through an event. We can actually craft it in a way that's it's really powerful. We have some time, Michelle, and I'm curious, what do you see companies or nonprofits making? What are the biggest mistakes you see them making over and over again that puts them in a place where they're missing the opportunity, they're not getting a return on their investment? What mistakes are out there? Yes, there are a few. And oftentimes it's about time. It's that they don't have enough time to, the biggest mistake is leverage their committees or their board in the proper way. So most nonprofits, of course, have a board of directors and then oftentimes have a committee that supports an event. And people working on events just don't have the time to be strategic about it. So what is the role of a committee member and how do you explain to them exactly what it is that you would like to expect from them? Committee members want to help. They're there to volunteer. They need direction and they need leadership. And so we want to be able to put our contact in the right position to leverage the committee, their talents, their connections. Maybe it's you know relationships in order to get an auction item. Maybe it's relationships to invite guests to sit at their table that they can share the message and help 
make sure other people get connected. Maybe it's a sponsorship opportunity. So the number one mistake is not being able to have enough time to leverage this incredible amount of resource that surrounds them. And they just don't have the clear mind to be able to think through that because they're so busy with all these other details. That's probably number one mistake. The second is within their event budgets, sort of spending money in the wrong places or spending money in areas where maybe they didn't need to. So allowing someone to come in with a little more expertise to help them negotiate certain areas and more in areas that are critically important and maybe less in ones that aren't as important, that won't make the lasting impact. And certainly the crafting of that message, just sometimes not having shared a clear enough message or given you know that call to action opportunity. So most of this has to do with time, and clearing space to think and have time to work proactively and strategically. Which is a perfect segue because I know this is what you do so well. So first and foremost, I know you have some free resources. What I'm curious about, Michelle, is even if I'm not a nonprofit, will those resources help me? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yes, you can find a lot of different resources. And yes, even if you're not a nonprofit, because what you were referencing before, many of us are still involved in some way with an organization that we might like to support or to allow introductions and tools that may help them. So yes, we have lots of resources that would help even in a corporate environment as well. Can you tell us how to get some of your free resources? Also, I want to hear from you in terms of who is your perfect client. Like if either we can refer them to you or maybe someone who's listening would love to work with you, who's your perfect client and where can we get those free resources from you? Absolutely. So an ideal perfect client for us is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is doing a fundraising event, a gala, an auction, a charity walk, a keynote speaker event, any a conference of some sort. And typically the organizations do more than one event a year, but not always. They generally are raising, you know, probably from anywhere from $75,000 net all the way up to a million dollars. So what they're raising net is a pretty wide range, but you know, they definitely are raising funds, but there's opportunity for growth within those. So usually organizations that have a development director or development department of some sort. And then on the corporate side, our current corporate partners or companies that make sense are philanthropic, doing some kind of event that is benefiting a nonprofit organization. And we also have helped some companies find a nice partner organization. Maybe they're doing something or they want to do something and they're just not sure who they align with. And we have a lot of resources where we can help identify some good nonprofit partners for them as well. In terms of connecting with us, our website is a great place to start, which is just sundaysoulevents.com. Sunday, like the day, S-U-N-D-A-Y, soul, S-O-L events with an S.com. And on there, there is a resources tab. And so that has some downloadable resources. I mentioned the committee. One of the things that we share with our clients is a committee commitment letter. And there's a downloadable version of that there. So what do we expect of our committee? And when can we share that with them? And how should we help direct what their role is? There's some budget tools there. There's a questionnaire. How do I know when I'm ready for an event planner? How do I justify the cost? That's usually a favorite one (laughs) to kind of talk about how we end up paying for ourselves. Our fee is always part of the event budget. And so we take that into consideration when we're setting the goals in the very beginning. But our website is a great place to get those free resources and to connect. And then our phone number is on there as well. And I'm always happy to talk with someone. And we're pretty consultive every time we talk. We ask a lot of questions about the goals and the budget and the numbers and the experience and what they felt like at the beginning of the event and the end of the event and how we might be able to assist. So we're always happy to do a 30-minute consultive call um, just to kind of explore opportunities and answer any specific questions as well. 
Excellent. So for all of our listeners, definitely go to sundaysoulevents.com, especially if you're a 501c3, check it out, see all the resources that are there. I'm sure you can use them. And if you feel, I mean, Michelle just said the golden word, like her services become part of your budget. So you know, imagine what could happen if someone took your event over, supported you through it, and then you were able to fundraise even more. So it's amazing how that works when we find experts who can support us. So Michelle, thank you for the work that you do. And I know, you know, every time you work with a nonprofit, and you help them raise money, you have an amazing domino effect on the world. So thank you so much for all everything that you do for the community and the world at large. Thank you. And I'm curious. So one thing we didn't talk about, we know you're located in Southern California. If there's a nonprofit outside of California, can you work with them as well? Really great question. Thank you for asking that. In a couple different ways, we've done some speaking and training opportunities. So depending on the needs, there's always consulting and training that can be provided. And then depending on where they're located, you're right. Most of our work event-based is LA and Orange County, a little bit in San Diego and a little bit in the Atlanta Empire. We can replicate that other places, but one of our you know, strategic benefits is that we have really amazing vendor relationships here. And so we can leverage those. So anywhere where we could carry that over. And if we had enough lead time, we can always, you know, deepen vendor relationships. And some of our vendors do travel as well. So we're always open for that conversation, mostly centralized here now, but certainly opportunities where it would make sense that we could work other places as well. Awesome. Thank you. Go to sundaysoulevents.com. Michelle French, thank you again for being on the show today. Ursula, thank you so much for everything you do and for allowing these opportunities and giving so much wonderful service to so many of us entrepreneurs that just need the assistance and the support. And thank you for believing in our work. Oh, my pleasure. This is what I love to do. And I love to get these stories out. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. And for our listeners all over the world, we love you. Again, email me at Ursula at salescoachnow.com. Go to iTunes, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you haven't yet and you want to double your sales now, you can access my six secrets to doubling your sales. It's a cool PDF. You can get it at salescoachnow.com forward slash gift. Again, that's salescoachnow.com forward slash gift. Super easy. Go there, print it out, look at it, share it with your sales team. Hopefully it will help you grow your sales this year. And also I'd love to partner partner with you on your next event, your next conference, or your next sales training session, you can go to Ursula Minchus. And my last name is M-E-N-T-J-E-S, UrsulaMinchus.com to see all of our latest keynotes. And you can click on the link to book me now. Thanks again, everyone. And make this your most epic month yet. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now.